As you have heard our scripture this morning, uh, from, as you heard from Noe, our scripture this morning comes from Micah, and then again Matthew, I'll be reading the 6 through 8 verses of the 6th chapter of Micah, I invite you to listen for the word of God. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And then that familiar passage from the 22nd chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Scripture, and as we think on these things, open our hearts and our minds to hear you. Amen. What a special Sunday in the life of a congregation is the Sunday on which new officers are ordained and installed. A group of men and women have responded to the call of God, issued through the voice of this congregation, your voice, to serve as elders and deacons. And this morning we ordain and install them to a particular term of service, typically about three years. And contrary, contrary to current practice, ordination is not something which takes place to get free parking at hospitals, an occasional 10% discount at restaurants, or as a joke because it would be fun and funny if you did your friend's wedding. Rather, ordination is a special time of prayer and reflection as a church listens to God and sets aside persons for an appointed task. The Bible is full of folks being called by God to a special mission. God called Abram and Sarah to leave their home and go to a place God would show them. God called Moses to confront the Pharaoh of Egypt and lead the people, out of slave, people of Israel, Israel out of slavery into the freedom of the promised land. God called Samuel as a little boy to confront the corruption of the priestly order and serve as the first prophet of Israel. God called Isaiah with the, song, with the words we will sing in a moment, Whom shall I send? And who will go for, go for us? To which Isaiah responds, Here am I, send me. God called Joseph and Mary to bear and raise the Christ child. God called John the baptizer. John called, God called Peter and the disciples. God called Paul. The list goes on. God calls, God calls, God calls. God called Jesus even. And God calls you and me. 
we refer to call most often in relation to a specifically religious vocation, such as one's call to church work, the ministry, or, or, or one's call to the missionary field. And yet, my friends, Presbyterian theology has never limited the concept of call to religious vocations. Our theology, based on an understanding of the teachings of Jesus, would have us to understand that all individual Christians are called. That's what the church in Greek means. Ekklesia is the Greek word for church, and it means literally called out. Each of us have the responsibility and privilege of answering the call to discipleship issued to us by Jesus Christ. Yes, all of us are called. And now there, there is a sense of call that, that does have to do with vocation, the choice of one's life work. We have all been endowed with certain abilities, gifts, passions, and we are fortunate when we are able to find an occupation in life wherein we are given the opportunity to use and develop these abilities, these gifts, these passions in productive ways, in ways which contribute to the betterment of the world in which we live. But sometimes circumstances conspire to work against us, or so it seems. The job we always wanted didn't work out, or the job we loved was lost due to downsizing. And all of a sudden we are forced to deal with it, to work in an area in which we are not particularly excited about, simply to put bread on the table for ourselves and our families. Well, in that context, what then does call mean? You'll remember that I said all of us are called to discipleship. Well, friends, this, this call to discipleship transcends any call to a specific vocation, which means we are called even if we do not have a vocation. And I would suggest this call to discipleship means a couple of things, and you may not be surprised to find that they are all summed up in Scripture. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That's God's call to you, regardless of what profession or lack of profession you are in. That's God's call to you. Master, what is the greatest commandment? The first is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's God's call to you. A call to discipleship which transcends any specific vocation. In all the circumstances of life, when we love our, li our jobs and life is good, and when we, are, and when we hate our jobs and, we, and, our, and we're struggling with our place in the world, God's call, in this sense, doesn't change. If in your life you are able to figure out how to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with God, if in your life you love God and love neighbor, then you will be answering God's call in a way that produces fruit. One last word, and though it is applicable to everyone here, it is especially directed to those being ordained and installed. 
Our book of order declares ordination is the act by which the church sets apart persons to be presbyters, that is, ministers of the word and sacrament, or elders or deacons, and is accompanied with prayer and the laying on of hands. The Book of Order further states the purpose and pattern of leadership in a church in all its forms of ministry shall be understood not in terms of power, but of service after the servant ministry of Jesus Christ. Elders, deacons, pastors are granted certain power, certain decision-making authority by virtue of position. But this authority shall be understood not in terms of power, but of service. We know from the life and ministry of Jesus that his leadership, his influence, his power, which was considerable, derived not from being served, but from serving. And I suppose that in some sense, that reality is countercultural. Somehow it doesn't jibe with today's definition of, of, of power and authority. Power rests in servanthood? But think about it. We experience that truth today as we reflect upon those persons in our lives we truly respect and desire to emulate. Who in our lives have truly meant something to us? Who in our lives have truly had a positive impact on the way in which we live? And I dare say that by and large it is those people who understand leadership not as power but as an opportunity for service. It is those who leave a lasting impression upon us. Not in terms of power, but of service. Friends, as we participate in this ordination, let each of us in our common life together seek to be servants one to the other.